continue in my series today, Keep the Faith. It's a series when life gets hard because life indeed does get hard. It gets difficult. And so sometimes we struggle with keeping the faith. And so this series, as we kick off the new year, is all about helping us keep the faith. And I began this series by talking about faith is not a feeling. It's a choice to trust God's character rather than your condition. Last week we talked about even when you don't see a way, God will make a way. Now today, I talk about failure. And to lift up that particular theme, I want to read for you two particular passages of Scripture that highlight two of the biggest failures in the Bible. The first comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 43 through 46. It's Judas. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. The next text comes from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Luke and highlights Peter's failure. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with them, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter, remembering the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of his holy word. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it. And then live in response to it. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of another day. We thank you for the gift of this worship service. These facilities, this music. We are a blessed church, Lord. Help us not to take it for granted. And we don't, Lord. We give you thanks. And now, Lord, I give you thanks for this opportunity and privilege to preach your word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, please speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, folks, I want to give you the message of my sermon right off the bat. So if you're tired, you can write this down and go back to sleep or go back to your grocery list, okay? Right off the bat, here it is, one of the key lessons of our faith. Failure 
is never final. Failure is never final. Now, I have a hunch that there are some of you in worship this morning who desperately need that message. Maybe you've been working hard at a dream only to see it shatter. Maybe you've been working hard at something worthwhile and it's just fallen apart. Maybe it's a job, a relationship. Maybe it's some kind of moral failure. Maybe it's something honorable that you've tried and tried and tried to do, but you've always failed. And you sit here this morning with your failures at your feet and you're discouraged. And honestly, you just want to give up. You truly want to wave the white flag of surrender this morning. Well, before you do, before you do, just give me a few moments. ask you to receive this message today. Because I believe after this message, you'll be able to keep the faith in the midst of your failures. You're going to be encouraged today. And so what I'd like to do as I begin is to lift up two particular characters in Scripture. I've read the passages just before. Two particular characters in Scripture that teach us some lessons about failure. I'm talking about Judas and Peter. Both of them failed. Both of them messed in their nest. Amen? Both of them screwed up royally. Both of them denied Jesus Christ. They betrayed Him. But here's the difference. One of them knew that failure was never final. And the other one didn't. You see, if Judas had believed that failure was never final, his name would be a name of honor today instead of shame. I read the passage earlier to you. It is an awful story, isn't it? Judas betraying Jesus with a kiss. And you know, many of us in the church have been conditioned to believe that Judas was predestined to be the betrayer. I don't believe that. Judas had free will just like the rest of us. But here's the key message I want you to hear today. Judas was forgiven just like the rest of the disciples. Judas was forgiven. In fact, the Bible says that all deserted Jesus and all went away. Yet they were all forgiven. Take a look at Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times in public. Can you fail worse than that? And the text said he wept bitterly in shame. Yet 50 days later, this same person would preach the Pentecost sermon. And 3,000 people were converted to Jesus Christ. First in shame, then he was a hero. Why? Because Peter believed that failure was never final. And the sad thing was, Judas didn't. That's the difference. You see, folks, I firmly believe after all the years I've been in ministry and honestly all the years I've been living as a Christian that people are never defeated until they accept defeat as a permanent reality in their lives. Another thing I've noticed, church, is that so often I've learned that people's greatest achievements are just one step away from the feeling of being defeated, of being discouraged. You know, here's the truth. Many people, and you might be there today, quit on the five-yard line, just inches away from being victorious. Ever heard of Bernie Marcus? Bernie Marcus was an executive for handyman stores, and one day he was fired. The corporate heads didn't like his ideas, didn't like what he was doing, and so he was fired. He went home dejected, went home. His friends joined him. They threw around some ideas. It was a pretty good idea. Maybe you've heard of it. The Home Depot. 
failure is never final. And if you go to Longmont, Colorado, there is a very unique plaque on Main Street. It's a plaque that marks the time and the person who opened up a butcher shop and went bankrupt. Now, typically, we don't give someone who failed in business a plaque, but there's more to the story. This particular man, he moved to Wyoming, opened up a dry goods store, and it went pretty well. Maybe you've heard of this guy. His name was J.C. Penny. Failure is never final. And I know all of you have heard of Thomas Edison. You know, back in the day, he had this crazy idea that, that electricity could power light. And he was a joke. Everybody mocked him. Everybody made fun of him. And he failed, 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 until one day he didn't. And the Bible tells the same story. I mentioned Peter earlier, but how about David? What a major screw-up in Scripture. David, ever heard of him? Had an affair with Bathsheba, had Bathsheba's husband murdered. He failed himself, he failed God, he failed the people he loved, yet God transformed him, and David became the greatest king in all of Israel. How about the Apostle Paul? He murdered Christians, was an enemy to the church, until one day God got a hold of him on the Damascus Road, and the Lord transformed him, and then Paul was so transformed that he wrote most of the New Testament. I tell you, I'm here to proclaim to you that failure is never final. So keep the faith. What if David and Paul had quit, church? What if they had thrown in the towel? What if a little nun had said, I can't take care of all these people? We've never known Mother Teresa. What if a young African-American preacher had said, I can't share these ideas, they're too dangerous. We have never known Martin Luther King Jr. What if... A young adult from Nazareth 2,000 years ago had said, I can't change the world. We would have never known Jesus Christ. Failure is never final. Here's the truth I've learned, church. Here's the fact. That we learn more through failure than we do success. Amen? We don't like to admit it, but it's true. Our greatest lessons are from failure. And I'm an expert in failure. Anybody else in here an expert? I have failed a lot more than I have succeeded. I mean, you should, you should know about all the girls I tried to ask out when I was young. I got rejected so many times. But the good news is, one beautiful woman finally said yes. Amen? My dad taught me these greatest lessons. You know, he was a salesman. He would often say when I would talk to him about being afraid to ask a girl out or, 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 or asking for something, he'd say, Charlie, the worst they can say is no. He said, I get denied about 10 times a day, but that's, there's one yes that makes a difference. Now, there's a guy by the name of Sergio Zyman. Ever heard of him? How many of you like Diet Coke out there? Any, any Diet Coke lovers? Yeah. I'll have a Big Mac and a large fry and a Diet Coke. That's never made sense to me. But anyway, you should know that name, Sergio Zyman. He was an executive at Coca-Cola, and he's the one who introduced Diet Coke. Huge, huge success. 
But then one day in the 80s, he went to the executives at Coca-Cola and said, listen, I used to work for Pepsi and I've heard some things. I've heard they've been doing some research on the younger generation and their taste buds have changed. And so we have to formulate a new Coke. We have to change the formula. And so they listened to him and they believed him. And Coke introduced in 1985, some of you might remember, new Coke. How many of you remember that? It was introduced and it was an utter failure. People said, this stuff tastes awful. Well... Zyman, he was in shame. He was the scapegoat. They, they took new Coke off the shelves and they reintroduced the old Coke. Zyman went off and did some consulting. But you know what happened? When they introduced classic Coke again, that year, at that point, was the most successful year in Coke's history. And Zyman became a hero. In fact, some of the executives says, we wish we could have a new Coke debacle every 10 years. It would do wonders for the company. And Zyman, he was rehired, and he was no longer the butt of the jokes. Instead, he was the hero. You see, Zyman learned a lesson all of us need to learn, church. When life kicks us, when life knocks us down, we have to get back up. Some of the greatest victories in life are won simply by persevering. You know the book, The Help? Ever heard of The Help? It was made into the movie. One of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies. You know, Catherine Stockett was the author of The Help. You want to know how many times her manuscript was rejected by publishers? Sixty times. Sixty times. And it was the 61st one. That did it. Persevering. Just waiting on God and his power. Sometimes that leads to the greatest victories. Now how many of you have heard of Dusty the Old Donkey? This tale just might change some of your lives today. Dusty the Old Donkey. You know, stories about this farmer. His old donkey fell into this well that he forgot to cover up. And that poor donkey just wailed and wailed and wailed and wailed. And the farmer tried his best to get that old donkey out, and he couldn't. And finally, the farmer said, you know what he said? He said, well, that donkey's just old. He's going to die soon. Let's just bury him in the well. So he called his neighbors and friends and gave them a shovel and said, just pour dirt on that thing, and let's bury him right here. And at first, that donkey just cried and cried and cried as they threw dirt on him. But then there was silence. Complete silence. And that farmer looked down in that well and he couldn't believe what he saw. As they threw dirt on the back of that donkey, it would just shake it off and take a step up. Shake it off and take a step up. They kept doing it, throwing dirt and dirt, and that old donkey would just shake it off and take a step up. So much that they were amazed when that donkey finally took a step and trod it off. There is a moral to the story, church. And it is this, life will throw dirt at you. Bank on it. If you haven't learned that lesson, you will. But the key is to shake it off and keep moving. With the help of God, to shake it off and keep moving. You see, one of the things I've learned is that God sees our troubles and our difficulties oftentimes much differently than we see them. 
Oftentimes, God sees our failures and our troubles as stepping stones to a greater faith, a stronger faith, a more mature faith. God uses our adversity to strengthen us. I mean, when you go to the gym, how many of you go to the gym? I know I need to go. It's been a while. How do we build muscle? Through resistance. In fact, the book of James says this in verses 3 and 4. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, some of us today need to see our failures differently. And it took me a long time to learn this. But here's the truth. Oftentimes, we need to see our failures as simply preparing for success. Because oftentimes our failures are simply lessons that God wants us to learn before we can succeed. We can't succeed until we learn these lessons. How will you handle your failure today? I don't pretend to know what it is, but I know many of you have it. You're obsessed with that failure. That's all you can do is think about it. It gets you down. It discourages you. It takes away your joy. And so the question this morning is, what will you do with your failure? Will you give up or allow God to use it to a greater victory? You know, if you look at history, you'll find that so many people, their lives and legacies were determined by how they responded to failure. I think of Adolf Hitler when he was in prison. He failed. And you know how he chose to use that time in prison? To stir up his own hatred. And to write a book that perpetuated hatred and violence in this world. That's how he chose to respond to failure. But then there was John Bunyan. Imprisoned in England. And chose to use that time in prison to write The Pilgrim's Progress. Where he wrote about the experience of God's grace and his love. I think of a lady in another church I served who said it best. She had gone through great difficulty and great pain and great trouble. Great grief. Till one day she was just different. For so many years, she was in the church and gone through grief counseling and all this stuff and had gone through the process. And one day, she really changed. And so I asked her. We were close enough. And so I asked her, what's the difference? What switched it for you? And you know what she said? One of the best things I've ever heard. She said, Charlie, I finally decided after all the grieving and the pain, I could get bitter or I could get better. Here's what I want you to hear today, folks. I want you to hear this. It's not how you start, but how you finish that counts. The world is filled with starters, amen? Anybody can start anything. But the race does not go to those who start well, but to those who finish well. Let me ask you, ever heard of the name Carl Lewis before? Used to be one of the fastest men in the world. Won nine gold medals. Broke all kinds of records. Literally was the fastest man in the world. But if you look at old footage of Carl Lewis, you know what you'll find? He was the slowest starter in the field. Every race, he run. He would run. He was in the back. And you know why? 
He won those races. Not because he was a great starter, but because he was a great finisher. Failure is never final, folks. Isaiah 40, 31 says, I love this, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes with God's help and his timing, we just need to persevere. But maybe that's not enough for you today. Maybe you're thinking, well, Charlie, that sounds all positive and wonderful, but my failure goes deeper than that. It's not a shattered dream. It's not some missed goal, Charlie. It is a moral failure. It is a sin in my life. And I am ashamed. And I am discouraged. And I'm in the dark. And this is not much motivation for me. I want to talk to you straight today. I want you to hear this. Have you ever seen the people God used in Scripture and how much they messed up? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you messed up? Have you sinned? Well, welcome to the club. Look around the church. Everybody in here has messed up. Everybody in here has sinned. Everybody in here is a failure. But the last time I checked, Jesus didn't come for perfect people. Amen? My gosh, are you out there? I can hear you snoring. Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He came for imperfect people. And let me tell you this. That feeling in your heart and your mind where you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling regret and you're feeling all these things that that you need to feel discouraged all the time and feel bad because of what you did, that's not from God. I'll tell you honestly this morning, that's straight from the devil himself. Because evil's greatest tool is discouragement. I'm not trying to make light of your sin, whatever it is, but here's what I want you to listen to today. It's time to cut yourself some slack. And allow God's grace and forgiveness to cover you and to move on. It's time. You know, I was I went to Candler School of Theology at Emory University for seminary. In our first year, we had what was called supervised ministry. We students called it supervised misery, to be honest with you. And basically it was this. They said, you want to be a pastor? Okay, let us give you a chaplain's badge. You go off into this hospital. You pray with the sick and the dying and talk to them. And then come back and see if you still want to be clergy. It was a great lesson. And... One of my first times working around the hospital, I was following around this supervisor in the chaplain's office who was rather unorthodox. He had a way of getting to the truth in unconventional ways. You know anybody like that? And so I followed him into this particular room of this particular patient who was very well known in the community. Everybody knew him. And he was in there because of a drug overdose. Respectable man. And business was in there because of a drug overdose. And as soon as we walked in, and that chaplain, that supervisor sat down, and I sat down next to him, that man just began to pour his heart out. He said, I've lost everything. I've lost my reputation, my job, probably lost my family, 
Everything that mattered to me, I've lost. This is the end for me. And I couldn't believe what my supervisor said to him. He looked at him and said this, huh, the end. That's interesting. Because I see it as just the beginning. And the man said, didn't you hear what I said? I've lost everything. Everything. And the chaplain said, everything? Yeah, any, anything that mattered to me. Everything? He said, yes. And that chaplain, you know, he said, I couldn't believe he said this. It kind of knocked me over. He said, well, I guess that means God has you all to himself now, doesn't it? Imagine what Jesus can do with you now. You know, church, sometimes failure teaches us one of the most important lessons in life. But some of us don't realize until we fail that Jesus is all we need. When Jesus is all we have. This is what Psalm 145, 14 says. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. Here's the most important reason why you should never give up. Because Jesus never gives up on you. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Failure is never final. And this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Eternal God, I lift up to you, everyone in worship today who is discouraged. May they know by the power of your spirit and wisdom and strength, failure is never final. But they trust in you and hold on to you. There can be a new day. There can be a new beginning. There can be a victory. So, Lord, encourage them today by the power of your spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a great way to end this service. That's a, that's a beautiful hymn. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today. I truly hope this has been a time of inspiration and encouragement for you today. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.